you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And I'm so glad that Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to mm-hmm. help us navigate the show. It's great to have our brother Jeff back with us. Uh, we do miss him when he's gone. We don't want to make too big a deal about it because then he can, you know, start to think that he's running things, you know. I mean, <laughs> you have to have the right balance. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I missed you, you know, not too much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We missed him a lot. Uh, it's great for uh, him to be back with us. Right. Um, we have some announcements and then want to get right into the show. Uh, the announcement is. announcements <laughs> <laughs> are. No, is. Yes. Okay. All right. It's fine. You're uh-huh. the principal. You can do whatever you want. That's right. Don't you forget it. <laughs> I won't forget. Then, <laughs> I won't forget. The announcements are. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, Just but like you that. can email us at addisons at afr.net and don't send any emails correcting my. Uh, Grammar? Yeah. Sorry uh, that addis- I had to correct you with the use of that, <laughs> supplying that word. Uh, anyway, look, that's why you hired me. All right. <laughs> right. Some people call it marriage, but really it, it, it was an agreement that we worked out. You know, yeah. you come be my wife. You'll teach my children, mm-hmm. right? And and there we go. <laughs> and it works. Anyways, Addison's it works. at AFR.net. Follow us on Facebook and on uh, YouTube. You can watch the broadcast live right now. Uh, just search Erin Addison's. Also, uh, we have our date night coming up tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Little yeah. Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. Little yes. Rock, Arkansas is going to be from 630 to 830 p.m. Um, you can get more information about that at uh, Marriage Family Life dot net marriage family life dot net i never got the word from jay that it was um <laughs> <laughs> that you couldn't it come so, so I, this is, I don't know look this this will be what people like myself hope for the last <laughs> minuteers like this is what we hope for we're like let there please lord yeah. be a glitch in the system please yeah. lord let there be an oversight that the registration is still open and uh and this this i think is one of those things and it's so, a free event you know yeah so. all you gotta do is let us know you're coming yeah but, you know, today is the last day that you can let us know because <laughs> well, it's happening tomorrow. <laughs> OK. And oh, also um, we have our by design uh, challenge for November and it's uh, Thanksgiving challenge. And the, the thought behind it is to do something with your family uh, together or start, start a tradition or something like that, that you guys will do as a family. And um, I think that that's that's something good. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have we done anything? For Thanksgiving as a family, we used to go on a trip. Yeah, I used to take vacation the week of a thing. Well, at least we we did it a couple years in a row um, yeah. w- with our extended family, and mm-hmm. that was always a beautiful time. I would say that our most consistent Thanksgiving tradition is uh, stuffing shoeboxes, which, by the way, well, that's a can, nice segue. Uh, there into you go. This is that time of year right. to stuff shoeboxes. It's something that we do every year. I mean, it's just become. It's I don't know. It's just a part of what we do. We don't even mm-hmm. think about. Um, whether or not it's it's just when do we go and gather all the stuff and it's just an event we've done it in the past with people 
um, inviting people to our home. We've done it um, through church organization, mm-hmm. um, meaning somebody as a part of our fellowship is collecting boxes. And, and so we've just done it a number of different ways. But I want to encourage our listeners um, to consider being a part of this if you've never participated in Operation Christmas Child. I encourage you to um, learn more information, to check out the website, to go to SamaritansPurse.com, I want to say, org, 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 slash OCC, org, slash OCC mm-hmm. SamaritansPurse.org, slash OCC. And uh, this would be a great tradition to start. I just, a dear sister um, of, of mine, of ours, uh, families, um, that we're in fellowship with mm-hmm. introduced a family tradition to us that, that they're doing with their kids. They're reading through a book um, for Advent or they will read through a book for Advent. And, mm-hmm. um, and so she told me about this and I'm kind of excited. I, I get a little bit, um, I get a little bit nerdy about things <laughs> like, you know, uh, anyways, like grandma and, so, and stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, if I read a book, look, watch this. If I read a book, I want it to read good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so I, so that is a new tradition that um, we may start. Um, I'm getting a lot of good feedback on this particular series of books uh, from another family that actually participated in reading through it um, for Advent. So, hmm. anyway, that's that's just a throw out suggestion. I know that people are going to email us and say. Run me the name of that book. I need the name of that book. <laughs> you um, know it. I, I do know it. You so get ready. L- l- I, I don't even know how to say the author's last name. I can read the author's last name, but I cannot say the author's last name. So okay. um, let me find it. Uh, his first name is Arnold. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Schwarzenegger. Okay, no, sure. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it may be as difficult, <laughs> but the last name is spelled Y T. R E E I D E. Why? Wow. It Y-T. sounds like I'm just stringing letters together, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It the, sounds the like it must be silent. I don't have okay, to so then that would be. Tr- I don't know. Um, Y-T. Anyways, I'm excited. That. Yeah. You would think. Let me say this. You would think <laughs> that you and I would be able to because we are from New Orleans and we have names like Chapatulis. Yeah. Which you know What's when the T yeah, is is uh, T C H. You know that kind solid. of thing. Um, so, but yeah, so that's the name. It's, um, it's, uh, Jotham's journey, a storybook for Advent. And, okay. um, it's written by author. You entreaty. I'm going to spell <laughs> the last name for you again. Y T R E E I D E. Um, so, so there you go. You can, you can look that up yourself and, and, uh, consider whether or not you might want to start that with your family. I think that family traditions are so important. And the more I'm looking at the way um, Generation Z sees family mm-hmm. and how family is not um, a high priority. And I've been thinking this through and trying to think deeply about these things. Um, I've been thinking about the ways that we can um, get back to that firm foundation that the Lord has given us in the first institution that is family. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it becomes more important than just a hoorah. Um, this is my family. You know what I mean? That that it is way more um, intentional than that. Yeah. And so that may actually be a great segue into what we want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Today's topic is rebuild the kitchen table. Mm. Rebuild the kitchen table. Rebuild the kitchen table. Now, why is that the topic? Um, that's the topic because I've I've read a few um, articles on the polling data that came out of Virginia mm-hmm. with the Glenn Youngkin win. And I know that I'm not the only person to make observations about this and, and, and won't be the last person to make observations about this. 
Uh, but I will comment or we will discuss, we will comment on those things that tend to be our focus, right? Um, there are different aspects that you can observe, uh, but we want to observe those things that tend to be our focus. Um, it has been said that the parents of Virginia won the election for Yunkin. Mm. That um, that was sort of the de- deciding factor. Mm-hmm. And, and that has um, been largely kind of the message publicly. And, and then the other issues have kind of been summed up as kitchen table issues, mm. which that is, you know, that's a familiar discussion. Kitchen mm-hmm. table issues. Mm-hmm. What are the issues that you know, the average Joe, if you will, right. uh, kind of cares about. Right. And so I was I was kind of concerned, right, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was thinking about when you look at the way the kitchen table, play on words here, is set. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, good. that's good. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Just a little affirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the way the kitchen table is set, mm-hmm. number one, on the list of like the most important issues sort of defining this um, Virginia election was the economy and jobs, mm-hmm. which if you just kind of like extrapolate that out, like if you take that issue and just look at the, that issue in states across the country mm-hmm. um, at large, even back to 2016, right. that was the biggest thing, right? right? Like jobs and the economy. That was the biggest thing mm-hmm. that people were most concerned about Um so following that, and, and again, this is some polling data, voters who said that the economy was the top issue um, facing them, they polled at 35%. Um, the voters at 35% said that that was the biggest issue for them, followed by um, 17% of voters, the biggest issue for them was coronavirus. Mm. Then 15%, the biggest issue for them education wow so just to make a point because we talked about this a while back you know even in 2016 i think the number one was like the economy Mm -hmm. and i think number two was like uh safety yeah it seemed like border security it seemed like it's kind of the same economy and safety when you talk about coronavirus Mm -hmm. you know Mm. we haven't gone far from what are the priorities i hadn't made that connection wow So so here's the thing. These things are not bad. Right. Right. Like these things in and of themselves, these things are not bad. But here's what it got me wondering. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it got me wondering, what if what if the economy were okay in Virginia? Mm. And what if you had like a booming jobs market in Virginia? And what if taxes weren't high? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like what? So then my question would be, would the parents who cared about education, Mm -hmm. right? Would they then be at the mercy of those who, you know, maybe they tried to do a little research and maybe they uh, spent a little extra time learning what was being um, proliferated in the public education system? Maybe, just maybe. I mean, because chances are that you have people who, if they believe that these issues aren't important to them, mm-hmm. they check out, right? Like if, like, think about it. Like you, we have, we have people who um, will consider themselves uh, social conservatives, mm-hmm. but never check the landscape to see where social conservatism is in their state. They only really 
kind of can see when it's, you know, things that just any conservative would care about. Mm. Right. Like it's they don't care about the social issues. Right. Um, so much, except that those things kind of get folded in to conservatism. They they care about conservatism. Right. Which top on the list would be money, jobs, safety. Right. Like mm-hmm. you think about those things. Yeah. So so I guess the pressing question for me is, do we need to do we need to rebuild the kitchen table? Like I think mm, having kitchen table issues yeah. as the focus of an election, like you think about our um, our faithfulness as we mm-hmm. um, occupy, as we make gains, as we are salt and light, as we understand what the Lord and his sovereignty, mm-hmm. his infinite wisdom has secured for us that we get to elect people who serve us. We, we get mm-hmm. to do this. Um, I'm wondering if there's a way for us to reorder the table. And, and so I was thinking about this and I was writing some things down and I was just thinking, okay, so when you think about the kitchen table, mm-hmm. I would order it and, and, and I'm up for some debate on this, but I would order the kitchen table as something of like meals, bills, and then family talks. Hmm. So meals, it's bills, and then family talks. In that like order. That's, that's how I would order it. I think, okay. generally speaking, that's how we think of the kitchen table. Like, we eat there, you know, you work on your bills there, right? Mm-hmm. And then periodically you gather the family around if you got a major issue that, okay, guys, I called this meeting. Well, I, I think my order would be meals, family talk, and then the bills. Okay, so is that how you would order the table is or is that your perception of how the table is ordered in America? I think the table is ordered in America bills, uh, family. Well, bills, meals, then family talk. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? OK, so you think <laughs> now are you saying that based on exit polling? Will the great are you saying that because I'm that's saying that the based way- on what we see in this country. OK, OK. So then when you say how I would order it. Are you saying how you would rebuild the table? You like, I'm rebuild. thinking in order of priority, what should be, you know, I think we need to reorder the table based upon priority. And how, you know, so I think you, you generally sit there for meals and meals, but with the family mm-hmm. and, and bills would be, you know. Last. Okay. So what if, what if the, what if the kitchen table becomes like a synonym for like the order and the structure of what's important to us? Mm-hmm. So what if if the the kitchen table becomes a synonym for that, then what if family talks became number one? I think it should. Then the meals, yes, and then the bills. Amen. I think that might yield for us the outcome that we desire. Okay, we'll be right back. Immutable, you are beautiful. You never change. You remain the same. Immutable, beautiful. You never change. Never change. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you. Uh, we really do. Thank you for listening and mm-hmm. allowing us to be a part of your day. I'm Miki. And I'm Will Nashai Lynn, immutable. So, okay, overall, voters said the economy was the top issue facing the state. Followed distantly, we're talking about Virginia here, followed distantly by the pandemic and education. Um, McAuliffe won pandemic voters by a wide margin, but Yonkin 
carried the day by winning economy voters Mm -hmm. by 27 points and education voters by an even wider margin. So now, interestingly, let me jump down and read this information. So one quarter voters cited the debate over teaching critical race theory as the single most important factor to their vote for governor. And they backed the Republican uh, by more than two to one. However, let me continue. Mm -hmm. The debate over controlling the spread of COVID-19 in schools was was much more favorable ground for McAuliffe. He advocated for a statewide mask mandate for students while Youngkin held the decisions are held that decisions on masking should be left to parents. Six in 10, six in 10 sided with McAuliffe on that issue. More than 25% said handling coronavirus in schools was most important, the most important factor Mm. in their vote. And they broke heavily for McAuliffe. Mm. Parents for whom COVID was the most important factor went for the Democrat by 24 points. Overall, overall, Yonkin won parents by a very narrow margin. Hmm. So, again, and I know sometimes my sobriety (laughs) can stifle people's celebrations, right? And I understand that. What I'm saying is, if we're looking at, you know, a point of rejoicing, yes, I guess the sheer fact, just Mm -hmm. the facts, would be a point of like, oh, man, you know, uh, Virginians really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Um, but not all the, all Virginians are seeing themselves as having dodged a bullet. Mm. And certainly they're not seeing themselves as having dodged the same bullet that others feel they dodged. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, it, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. they all have different bullets. And, and I understand, and I understand that that's, that's the case in any election here. But I guess what, what I'm asking is, mm. Do we wrongly give ourselves a sense of security in just the election outcome itself? Well, like we better we, not. We we can't. Yeah. We can't. And and so I guess what I'm saying is is that we each I think when we look at elections, we try to find the factor that was most important to us, mm-hmm. and we try to make that true or um, the largest indicator of how the race turned out. You know, we just it's wishful for us. It's it's like. Um, what we really want to say is we want to say um, parents were disgusted by what was going on in Loudoun County and parents, you know, um, really, really showed up and, and they were largely on the side of Yonkin. And for the parents for whom that's true, that is absolutely true. But we have to also understand that parents were more concerned, concerned about the spread of COVID than they were critical race theory. Yeah. And among those parents, they voted for McAuliffe. Yeah, you know, actually, I thought um, just at you know on the face of it when they when the uh, results came out, I thought it was because of the parents, you know, uh, as really did I until rising I up and at the saying, "Hey, dad. we don't want you know this in our schools." Yep. But as you look, like you said, these numbers, you know, and what people re- really came out for and what they voted for, you see that there was just a slim, you know, margin of the the parents that um, Youngkin won. So that's scary to me. Yeah, that's concerning. It's concerning. Like so so it's like it's like um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I try to find a good analogy right now, one escapes me, but it's like the overall big celebration, but then when you start to kind of like, you know, cook it down, you know, yeah. what is it reduced to? Yeah. You find that the celebration in all honesty is it's not what we think it is. You so, know what I mean? It's not what we think it it ought to be at least. So we do have to reprioritize 
you know, the order of the table. Like yes. What, you know, and I guess in my mind, I, I put um, the meals and family time almost kind of meshed into one. Yeah, I agree. I would agree <laughs> but, with that. But um, yeah, I think this is a, a clear show that, you know, don't get too excited. Right. You know, and, and lose. Yeah. And lose, you know, the, the passion for what's really uh, out there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what we should be doing, because sometimes we can seemingly have a victory and just kick up our feet and be like, yeah. OK, whew. You know, Absolutely. And not keep pressing. And can I say, and, and man, and that's one of the things I said to you, um, I, I guess on Wednesday morning, one of the things I said to you, because you were giving me election returns mm-hmm. early in the morning. Hey, I mean, that's, that's, for um, me, yeah. maybe not for you, for you, your, your second right. win. It's a matter for of, me, you know, yeah. um, perspective. Okay. Yes, um, I love that you just called me lazy. Um, here, <laughs> here it's fine. It's fine. It's all just a matter of Come on, man. perspective. Um, but even as you're getting election results, I think mm. what happens, and this is what I said to you. I said, man, I, I hope that people in this country pay attention to what's going on. And those who have righteousness as their aim, that they keep their foot on the gas. Mm. Because that's what happens. Guys, we have an enemy who is is working nonstop. Like if you look at, you know, those who would be the purveyors of wickedness, they don't take their, their foot off the gas mm. because they get a victory. They circle the wagons again, right. you know, even after victory. And they continue <laughs> on. They continue and on. It's like what Abraham said. He said uh, the devil don't work in election cycles. Like No. Oh, I, right. <laughs> All the profundity. All <laughs> the know? profundity of the statement. Yes. Man. It's Absolutely. So and yet and yet we do. Hmm. And and unfortunately, and this is really sad, I even 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 I, I would say um, more so than, you know, thinking that the devil works in election election cycles, but but thinking that God does. Mm. You know what I mean? Like th- <laughs> thinking that we only yeah. want to cry out for righteousness Come when on, it's election man. time. That's, oh, my yeah. gosh, Lord, yeah. you know, have mercy on us. Yeah. What What I'm saying is. Let's rebuild the kitchen table. So if <laughs> if it's going to be seen as kitchen table issues mm-hmm. that bring voters to midterms, because, OK, guys, if we like cycles, mm-hmm. then the, here we go. All right. All right. Um, I would prefer not. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> you know, if we're really going to care about where we are mm-hmm. and what our culture is saying and, and, and how we position ourselves before holy and righteous God as a nation, mm-hmm. as a nation, then maybe it's best for us to rebuild the kitchen table. And maybe that looks like we make central, we make first and foremost or of utmost importance those things that are of utmost importance to God. And and then I think the right question for our listeners would be, well, how can we know that? Mm. How do we know what God wants? Mm-hmm. How do we know? You know, I don't know why my voice sounds like that when I say <laughs> it, but I just feel like when a person is asking that question, that's how they say, how do we know? We don't know. You're just guessing. Well, no, we're not. We can turn to the scriptures mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can ask the question, what was the expectation of the central, um, the function of the family? And we've talked about this so much. Yeah. But at this point, I just want to run a highlighter over it in the context of talking about rebuilding the kitchen table. Like, man, there is there is so much responsibility that God has given us in our particular form of government. And, and we have neglected that responsibility and 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 I want to say this too, and this is not to try to be all like you know eloquent and talk in circles, but we've neglected the responsibility that God has given us in this particular form of government because we've in some ways in some ways we've only looked at political outcomes mm. rather than understanding that you've got to have a moral people which would be 
you know, automatic in the production of political outcomes. We sometimes are just looking for the political outcomes and hoping that you could sidestep the moral people, that mm. you don't have to have the moral people. Um, but you do. Right. And we went through a whole show where we, where we quoted like, you do. The right. founders understood this. Right. Right. They understood this. And somehow we're at the place where we think we don't have to put in the work. And man, by the way, I'm going to share with you in just a few minutes here um, a break point from John Stone Street from Friday. Mm. Kids are given to the parents, not to the state. <laughs> man, all of these things are working together, by the way. Like our our understanding and our firm grasp of God's design for family, mm -hmm. they're all working together. In fact, the neglect of these things have all worked together to get us to where we are now. Yeah. So if we're going to change what we are now, then it's got to be attention to these things that gets us there. That's that's the only way that they'll turn around. So so how can we know what God wants to make central or what God would have us make central uh, to the family? We talk about um, rebuilding the kitchen table. Deuteronomy chapter six. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Listen, so this is as you are living life, as you are doing. So, yeah, you may be eating chicken <laughs> at the table, but you are also to be reminding your kids that the Lord God, he is God. Amen. That he rules and reigns in the affairs of men, that he is not disconnected. You don't want to produce little deists mm. where there's like, oh, maybe maybe there's a God, but I mean, he doesn't care. I don't bother him. He doesn't bother me. We're OK. No, you want to you want to present to your kids the God of Scripture. Yahweh, who reveals himself. Yes, he created, but also entered into so that he would have relationship with us. Mm. Now, how, how do you how do you expect our posterity to be a moral people? If we remove from them what it is, what morality is, the author of morality, that it is consistent with the character and the nature of God. And by the way, and by the way, probably the reason chief among reasons that we are here is because parents have abdicated their roles. Yeah. And, and let me say something. We didn't think that we were doing that. So so let me let me let me say practically here. And then I want to go to this John Stone Street uh, break point. Let me say practically, because when we have these conversations, people say, well, what does that look like? What should we be doing? Well, it means that we should be living life for the glory of God with our children, which means that when you make your grocery run, you are finding opportunities in that run to have deep and meaningful and significant conversations with your children mm -hmm. where you if you are talking, uh, man, if you are talking to your children as a norm. If that's just a normal, natural part of living with your children, not that you're just kind of biding your time until it's like, okay, device time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I think of, I think of the, um, <laughs> I think of the scene from the Lorax, excuse me, but I do. <laughs> I think of the scene from the Lorax when the mom sits down with the grandmom and the son and it's family game night. And she says, and we're all playing board games, but <laughs> then it's just so much. They're all like with their questions in there. And she says, okay, family time is over. It is now personal time. Everybody go like it, she was done with it. And I really I think in some ways that that becomes us as parents and sometimes as grandparents, you know, but certainly as parents, we're just sort of like, OK, um, <clears throat> we're done here. Right. Everybody move on. But what if we were able to recapture the importance of being with our kids, 
being with our grandkids, transferring our faith to them. Now, you can't compel them to believe, but man, you got to lay a foundation. You got to present the gospel to them. You got to listen to the things that they're thinking and caring deeply about. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation just last night with one of our kids, uh, just going to run errands. And and, and for us, we have a large family. So when we can get that one-on-one time, man, we try to take it. And so I had one and, and there we go. And we're having, we're just, we're just driving and just having a good conversation. And she starts talking to me about phones. <laughs> Why can't I have a phone? <sighs> well, because, <laughs> because we have a, we have a rule in place that unless you need a phone, you don't get a phone and certainly don't get a phone before the age of 15. You just, right. you're not, there's, if you need one, we'll get you one, but you don't need one. So you're not getting one. And then she says, she says, you know, I don't really care about all the other stuff that like phones bring. And I understand that there's danger. She says, she goes, but I really just want like, you know, the phone cases, like how you just get to, you know, you can. (laughs) So as she keeps talking about this, I'm going, wait a minute. So for you, phones represent a type of self-expression. And she's like, yeah, I could, I can make it my own. I can personalize it. So what we're talking about is this, as she's growing, just this need to have like her own thing that, you know, and she sees people with the, and so I'm realizing that, man, she's not badgering me because she wants to like, you know, blaze through our safety barricades, <laughs> right. right? For for her, this is something totally different. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to be more patient in explaining to her and saying, you know, they're just things that you don't know. I understand the need for self-expression and the need to grow as we're growing, you know, you're growing into a young adult. I understand that, but you have to, you have to respect that we have boundaries in place for your protection, but the time is coming where you're going to be able to choose a really neat phone case. <laughs> and I can't wait to go with you when you choose that phone case. Like, but, but for right now, you're going to delay that gratification. Mm-hmm. Man, these are the types of lessons that are good. It teaches us to obey God when we are able to delay gratification. Say, you know, I really right. want this, but it goes against the rules. Guys, making rules for your family and, and making your kids adhere to those rules. Man, those are not oppressive. Those, that's, those are acts of love. Yeah. That you get to share with your kids. You get to teach your kids. And I'm saying bring those things back to the kitchen table. Bring those things to life as you're running your errands. Don't see it as a time to just get away. Now, look, look, there is then now no condemnation. If you need a break and you need to go run real quick, right? <laughs> like, I don't want you to be in your car going down the road and hear my voice saying, go back and get your baby. No, just <laughs> keep going. Go get the butter. It's fine. It's fine. Run real quick and get the butter because it's going to take you 20 minutes to get them out when it can take you five to just go get butter and come back. But, but if you're getting butter and milk and beef and cheese and bread, it's going to take you a little bit longer in the store. Maybe bring one with you. Maybe bring two with you. Maybe bring seven. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, when we come back on the other side of this break, I want to share a little bit from this John St- uh, Stone Street breakpoint. Um, it's oh my goodness it was just so so well written and then of course you can listen to it as well but let me just say this just to uh, clown will the great as we're going to the break um we were going to do a quick pickup from sam's and i said and this was like after church right i said oh what about if we all go into sam's (laughs) (laughs) what did you say will the great that's a terrible idea that's a terrible idea Man, in front of the whole family, I was like we right, were all though. there. You were absolutely <laughs> right. It was so crowded. There's so many people on a Sunday, just you know, and 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 you're never gonna come out with just what you need. It's always gonna be like you know, 
hot dogs and pizza slices. <laughs> All right. This is Aaron the Addisons. We'll break and be right back. Yeah, in the beginning, everything was good. Like you are, Yahshua. Nothing could restrain us from walking with our maker. Then we decided to be gods, and now we're so dangerous. A creation that was once perfect is now ill. Our eyes are never satisfied. Feel. Our appetites seek destruction. You build. Our hands are swift to kill. You heal. Yeah. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I want to share a little bit of this break point um, by Jones. Joan. John Stone Street and Maria Bayer. Um, but before I do that, let me just say I'm Miki. And I'm Will and the show Baraka with Nicodemus. And also want to get around to opening the phone lines, get our listeners take on what we're discussing today. Rebuild the, the kitchen table. Rebuild the kitchen table. Uh, again, here's John Stone Street. On Tuesday, Republican, this is from Friday. On Tuesday, Republican Glenn Youngkin defeated incumbent Terry McAuliffe in the Virginia governor race. The issue that gave Youngkin the edge was education, something that Republicans in Virginia typically do not perform as well on. Things have apparently changed in the Commonwealth, however, after a year and a half of school shutdowns, heated disagreements over masking policies, debates over whether critical theory should be taught in the classroom on issues of race and LGBTQ, a horrific cover-up by the Loudoun County School Board, and especially Governor McAuliffe's comment during a September debate that parents shouldn't be telling schools what to teach. As shocked as Virginians were by the statement, the view of education it reflects has a storied history. Now listen to this, guys. The late sociologist Christopher Lash described it in his 1979 bestseller, The Culture of Narcissism, American Life in an Age of Diminishing Expectations. Lash believed that when industrialization took labor outside of the home, it led many Americans to question whether other responsibilities should leave home too. Mm. Lash quotes two national education officials who in 1918 said, quote, once the school had mainly to teach the elements of knowledge. Now it is charged with the physical, mental and social training of the child as well. End quote. Okay. Once it was just knowledge. Mm-hmm. Now the school has taken on the responsibility of the physical, mental, and social training of the child as well. Now, let me pause there and let me ask a question. Um, is this true today? Is this true today? And, and if it's true, how do we see this reflected in the education system? Well, let's just think about it. Let's, let's think about what the public education system looks like. Parents have to fight for the right that is given to them by God Hmm. when their kids are in a public school setting. In fact, it is by default assumed that the parents give up certain rights just to have their kids educated in that setting. You say, well, Miki, that's not true because look at the outcome. Well, but the outcome was fought for. Yeah. I don't think the parents, this is something that the parents don't realize that they're doing though. Right. You know, that's the, that's the thing. Cause I think what the thought is, no, this is what we do. We, you know, send out, children to the schools and they're going to educate them. Like I, that's, it's far from, it had been far from the parents' minds that, you know, I'm giving up like parental control or rights, you know, by, by doing this. And even for the kid, it takes, it really does take a major adjustment. If as a parent, you say to the kid, as I did, we're not doing what the teacher assigned. Do you, do you think about the type of, 
like dissonance that causes in a kid's heart. It's like, well, well, but we always do what the teacher tells us to do. Right. Because the teacher is the boss. Right. Even of you, mom. <laughs> you that's, do. Yeah, that's I bring I bring the assignments yeah. home to you. You do them. Mm. <laughs> you find the answers and you better make sure that I take it back <laughs> because that's what the the authority said for us to do. Yeah. And then think about like, so for me, and I experienced this. Yeah. I experienced yeah. saying we're not doing timed reading. Mm-hmm. We're not doing timed reading. And it causes an immediate dissonance because it's like, well, but do you have the right to tell me that I don't have to do that? Hmm. Yes, I do. Better believe it. Sure <laughs> do. But, you know, this has got to be returned to the heart of parents. Yeah. It, this, this has been um, extracted from the hearts of parents because of how our kids have, by default, been educated. Yeah. Because they've been educated outside of our homes, we don't realize that we have robbed them of the necessary view of us. Mm. Right? They have to see us as the final authority mm. under the leadership of the Lord God. Mm. The word of God, but but God has given them to us. Right. That we oversee their growth and their maturation. Like we oversee that. Right. Um, let me wow. read this. and Well, let me give the number so we can get some calls queued up. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Uh, back to John Stone Street here. Um, around the same time, Sigmund Freud was psychoanalyzing parenthood, <laughs> often casting, listen to this, guys, often casting parents in the role of villain. This was also the era in which the modern concept of social work was born. And when America launched the juvenile justice system, entire industries were built upon the premise that parents were largely unqualified to raise their kids. Or at least needed a lot of help from the state. In the late 1800s, Ellen Richards, the founder of modern social work, suggest suggested that, quote, in a social republic, the child as a future citizen is an asset of the state not the property of its parents, end quote. Mm. Hmm. Wow. If we rebuild the kitchen table, Mm -hmm. we effectively take back the authority that was given to us. Mm. It, It is expected that we would parent our children for the glory of God. So when we have these kinds of issues where we're talking about political outcomes, those things really become secondary and tertiary to what our primary focus is, right? Like our, our primary focus is the rearing of children for the glory of God. This is the expectation of God that we would rear our children for his glory, for his renown. Like I, so I'm, I'm preparing some things right now for our children. And so I've been doing a deep dive into um, the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law. Why was the law given? And boy, I got to tell you, as I continue to dig and, and to, to mine out of the word of God, oh boy, I am so encouraged about the love and the mm-hmm. grace and the mercy of God that he gives us rules yeah. to direct us to him, but also to secure us for himself, mm-hmm. to make us distinct from every culture around us. And so when you think about this, even with your children, when you get back to what God has given you with your children, man, you make your children distinct from those around them. And, and sometimes that will feel very lonely for them. Sometimes to be other 
is not a very comfortable place to be in, right? Mm. But for the glory of God, when we take our mandate seriously, we will rear our children to be able to stand, even if they are the only other. Amen. <laughs> that Amen. makes sense. Amen. All right, let's Amen. go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Uh, the topic of conversation is uh, rebuild the kitchen table. If we're going to look at political issues in terms of kitchen table issues, what are those issues and how do we reprioritize those issues for the glory of God so that we're not um, just sort of holding our breath and hoping that we come out on the other side with quote unquote political wins. Mm. I think that our aims and our objectives have got to be higher than that. Yeah. But when those aims and objectives are higher than that, you will get some political wins. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. anyway. No, you're well, right. great. You're right. Where do we go? All right, let's go to Timothy in Oklahoma. Hi, Timothy. Hello, how are you doing today? Doing Hello. good. Uh, really, I, I jumped in the middle of the uh, broadcast, but my um, thought had it had something to do with, with um, some statements I've had from my family members. Uh, growing up, uh, my big sister, really, she would get in trouble a lot, and her uh, her main focus, one thing she said was that, when I get when I grow older, I'm never going to force you know such and such on my children, and, and part of it was Christianity mm. and other things like rules and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's because of her negative view on discipline mm. and uh, you know just proper teaching that she came out with that conclusion. And the result of it is a lack of discipline causes um, basically causes my nephew to run around and go crazy and things like that. Mm. Um, I guess that's the only comment that I have, mm-hmm. aside from we just need to get back to what the Scripture says, an objective uh, moral standard, and that's how you're going to win the, the political battle arena about this. Uh, your opinions don't really matter unless it lines up with what God says. Mm-hmm. What God says has weight, and it's been here for thousands of years, mm-hmm. and it's been proven time and time again, and it says teach a child or raise a child up in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it even when they're old. These morals mm. have proven themselves time and time again. And even doctors know about this. It's just, it's just a common thing. That's all I have to say. God bless all right, you. Timothy, all right, thank, you, thank Timothy. you so much for your call. I just, I just want to say something. We'll go back to the phone lines here. 888-589-8840. I, I want to say something to your point. So the, the example that you share here about your sister is a common example among Christian parents who think somehow they're going to do better by presenting their kids with fewer rules and regulations, if you will. (laughs) Right. Like, and so what are they, what are they wrongly assuming? They are wrongly assuming that they are now rearing a neutral child. That's, they won't say that because they don't know that that's what they assume, mm. right? Which, which plays right into the hands of the enemy. So when a parent says, I'm not going to push this on my child, I'm going to allow my child to make his or her own decisions. I'm not going to make my child. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. They are making a statement of assumption, which is um, it's a destructive assumption and which the enemy wants. They're assuming that their child is neutral. And that if they just leave the child alone, the child will arrive at a good conclusion without being forced or pressed and all of these things that the child will be better off not having had any rules. Now, think about think about that. Right. What that does is that ignores origins. Mm -hmm. Our story is an origin story. All right. Like if you like drama, sinful nature. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is in our DNA. If you want to talk about what is systemic, hmm. sin. That's sin right. is systemic. So when we think that we're going to raise these neutral children, that we're not going to get in the way of their natural growth and development, we're not going to bog them down mm. with all of these issues where we try to write this on the tablets of their hearts. We're just going to let them arrive at their own natural conclusions. Well, the natural conclusion, the natural end of man is death and it is destruction. Yeah. That is why supernaturally God steps in and saves us from our sin. Yes. I'm telling you the best illustration for a kid. Oh, I hate, I hate, I hate that this is really a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, never mind. I, I'll just skip it. <laughs> right. There's a, it's a cartoon. It's an older one. And, and, you know, look, I will just say this. Disney has been on the decline for a very long time. Certainly in recent years, there's not a whole lot that you can get behind that you can watch. Um, but I'm thinking back to a toy story where um, the toys are all on the conveyor belt oh, at this. Going to um, the infernal oh, my and, goodness. Yeah. Y'all, I cry, let me tell you, and, and the kids mock me, but I'll gladly take it because I see a gospel presentation in that. They are at a, um, a dump, mm-hmm. right? And all the toys have been discarded and they're on their way to the incinerator. They are mm-hmm. on a conveyor belt on their way to the incinerator. And this hand comes down from the sky <laughs> and plucks them from that conveyor belt. Let me tell you, you better believe I preach the gospel to our kids with that. <laughs> Guys, that's all of us. We are all on our way to destruction, but by God's grace, he allows us to respond to the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I look anyways. Um, so yeah, Timothy, thank thank you. (laughs) Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Tanya in Arkansas. Hi, Tanya. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. Good talking to you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Oh, fun. You're going to be at Robinson center, correct? Yes, that's right. Here in, and awesome. I'm so excited. I'm bringing Yay. my son because my other yeah. half, he'll be at work. So okay. son is going to come. We can both learn from you. But Nikki, <laughs> you are on fire today. Oh, First God of all, this you. is a great topic. But secondly, what you said about we have done this to our kids. We have done this. We have pawned off that responsibility and that respect that we are, I don't want to say do, but what is supposed to be directed to us. Yeah, you school. are do it. Yes. And, I mean, we are battling our schools here in Arkansas. I mean, battling tooth and nail with petitions and Mm. protests and, you know, just trying to get our parental rights back. Mm. And um, I just ask that y'all pray for us Mm. because there's just so many school districts. I mean, we're beginning to link arms. I mean, God's Mm -hmm. making it this person, you know, connects you with that person that's in that other school district and this other group. And, you Mm. know, the, the links are beginning and um, I just praise y'all. I, I really do that you've followed God all these years and that you have this radio broadcast that we can listen to. And I just thank you. I just really, really thank you. Praise God. Well, thank you so much. And thank I you so much. I want to tell you, man, I'm, I, I appreciate that. That is an encouragement. But I want to encourage you to continue on in the battle that you're engaged Amen. in. Like, I mean, listen, we live in the type of society, at least for now, where we can fight when people um, begin to have an overconfidence in their particular arena and that arena kind of spills over into an arena that is not theirs. And I'm talking about where you send your kids to be educated. It is not, you do not surrender your kids to that institution. That was, that was supposed to be um, like, you know, uh, contracting, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're not saying you now own the house, right? Right. You hire somebody to come in and do your plumbing 
and then they come in and do your plumbing and then start telling you they're going to knock down this wall and then they're thinking <laughs> they can put up a nice little escape here and you're like, wait, that's not what I hired you to do. Right. right. And that's what you got to keep doing unless you fire them. All right. <laughs> Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>